Fezzy. Once again, this is the greatest podcast um, that you could possibly be listening to ever. I want to thank you guys, um, as always, my, my loyal followers. Um, and we got a very special treat for you today because we have a very special guest, um, none other than Ronnie Quest. What's up, Ronnie? How you feeling? Doing all right, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for asking. Um, slept in a little bit today. Um, headed over to Cup of Troy, the local little coffee shop. Got got my coffee right here. Um, and very excited to talk to you, the legendary Ronnie Quest, multi-talented artist, charismatic dude, um, comedian. I don't know what else. What else? How how else can we describe you? Who who are you? Man, you know, I'm just a guy, man. I just work here. <laughs> Nah, I guess I don't know. I'm 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 a musician, entertainer, uh, the homie, all of that. Sick. Um, yeah, man. So for those who don't know, uh, Ronnie and I go go back all the way to freshman year. 
um, party, third floor, third floor, the dorm. That um, yeah, third floor went. It definitely went down. I like, I look back on it sometimes, and it's like, damn, we were really doing that shit. And we had no idea. Like, I, it was so crazy, and. It's, like, one of those things that you don't appreciate until, like, after it's done. Like, just, like, college and, like, freshman year. Just, like, the novelty of it all. It's, like, so much of just, like, going through the motions, but it was such a good time. Like, what do you remember from, from like, freshman year in party? I just remember it being super fun and not even realizing how much fun I was having. I was, like, oh, like, this is just college. Like, this is just life. Like, I'm an, adult. I'm an adult now. Like, I'm 18. Like, I just live on a floor with all my friends and all my other friends live in the same building and... This is just my life now. And I'm like, oh, that that wasn't that was just one period in time, but it was late. I know, like what you said about um you you don't appreciate it. Like it it was just like when I look back on it, it seemed like everything was just moving so fast because it was only like it was what, like nine months that we like a freshman Damn. year that were that we were in there. But it's yeah. like such a formative time, you know. I met you, I met everyone else on the floor and like obviously um you know, friendships that, that last, that last until now. And now we're, you know, we're about to graduate. Are you graduating this semester? Are you going to school right now? Uh, yeah. So I, I actually have like a little few more classes next left semester, a few more classes left next semester, but I'm pretty okay. much done. Okay, cool. Um, so tell us about like what, what class, like you're studying music and shit, doing your music shit. Um, what's it been like? I, um, I'm always like very thankful and I've come to appreciate, like, USC and, like, especially Thornton because of, like, just the professors we have here. But, like, I, I personally am, like, kind of trying to, like, cherish every, like, all the moments we have left, especially since, like, we're not on campus anymore. Um, but I guess just, like, what's your ex- – I know, like, USC is, like, a love-hate thing, but, like, what is what, – what has been your overall experience at USC? You know, I was actually just thinking about this, like, earlier this morning. I was like, dang, like, USC – I feel a lot of different emotions towards USC, but I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at if I wasn't here. Like, just purely, if nothing else, off the people I've met. I'm like, there's no way I would have met all these people if we weren't randomly stuck together on this tiny little area in the middle of South Central, sometimes with no cars. Like, (laughs) when we were younger, just not doing a damn thing. Yeah. We're just, like, um, just, like, honestly, like, sad, like, like it's kind of primitive being at college, especially <laughs> freshman year when you're living <laughs> like when you're living on campus and like going to dining halls and shit. Like, Man, I remember going to Parkside was like a mission back then. It's like a 15 minute. Parkside walk. was so fucking overrated. I'm sorry, <laughs> that shit was like not even that good. It was like a 15 minute walk, and I felt like I was going to another planet. I'm like, it's on the other side. Yeah, of campus. like all like, yeah. We used to like romanticize so many things back then, like the. Uh, you remember like the EVK song? Man. Who made that? Were you a part of that? Who made no, that? No, I remember um damn, I don't remember. I remember there was the dudes in Cargar who made a song. Yeah. That was Vic and Kyle and them. And then someone I don't even know who in Party or Southside made like an EVK song. It was, was wasn't funny. it like a remix of an of a someone else's song? Or something. I want. I, I don't remember. I, don't I just remember, remember people dropping was. the songs and thinking it was hella funny. Um. Yeah. No, that's funny as fuck. And then obviously there was the, the I I go to USC track, which was yeah. kind of like a, you know, a local favorite, kind of a local hit. Um. That was also freshman year, right? I think that was bef- was that freshman year? Or that was before us. And then because Golden and Lux and you seen remixed it. Oh, that was the remix. I thought the one with Lux 
and Golden was like the original one. No, there no. was a one before. So originally, that. it was someone I believe on the basketball team. It was before we got here, made the song uh, go to USC, and they used to always play that at all like the Bud Long, like Ratchet mm-hmm. Little Functions, and then Golden made a remix and had Yasin and Lux get on it, and like that was like the remix that blew up for our generation yeah no that's crazy um it's crazy to see like where golden's at now too like because like, he's he's what a year younger than us yeah um and yeah it's just so cool to see him like he had the number one hit i think he's up for best new artist at the grammys that's I, lit. I believe um that's super lit. but yeah shout out to him shout out to chris papa um my boy i, I worked with him on concerts committee um they're definitely getting in their bag they're taking over, you know, the music industry and all that. So, so best of luck to Golden at the Grammys, um, and all that. But I want to ask you, I guess, more about your work with with P Lux and like the NPI crew. Like, how did that all come about? Man, so end of freshman year, I like kind of knew Rod, and we didn't. I didn't really know where I was living at, and Rod was like, "Yo, like, I have this other dude I kind of know." I think he met Lux because he played his cousin in a 2K tournament. Really? That's how it happened? Because they're, <laughs> yeah. both, they're both uh, local, right? They're from... Yeah, the so, city. yeah. Like, they're... Roz, like... Yeah, they both from L.A., like, West Side. And then... Um, yeah, so I think they met because they play... Rob plays his cousin in a 2K game. He's like, okay, I got this other dude. And we got, like, one other guy who ended up, like, dropping. We had a random fourth roommate, but we all just... Again, like people yeah. you wouldn't have met if it wasn't for USC. That was, was Cargar. Yeah, I, I remember once during the summer I pulled up because uh, Lux was throwing some function on Melrose, and I pulled up just to go, and it's like this dude was just <laughs> just running back and forth, just like filming the line and like going <laughs> back is, and forth. This is P. This is P. Lux. Yeah, and I was like, damn, like I guess I'm living with this dude. It was hella funny, <laughs> and we just yeah, man, we're just in Cargar, and then he dropped Not Your Nigga, and. I was doing PR for him, like fake PR for like uh-huh. my, for the PR class. Okay, I remember that. Yeah. And then suddenly we had a lot of real shit to do PR for because all these <laughs> blogs were hitting him up and pages and reposts. I'm like, damn, you should probably have like a bio and a press release. So, mm-hmm. and then Rod was doing trying to do sports management, and I think like him and Lux has talked about like on a joke, like oh, like yeah, if I ever blow up, like would you manage me? I'm like yeah, like mm-hmm. sure, like I'll, I'll do sports management, I'll manage you. And then it really started going crazy, and we realized. How how fun it was and the opportunity we had and you know Rob was throwing parties I was DJing Lux was rapping so it all kind of like fit yeah. together and we all learned from uh-huh. each other yeah I totally forgot about the whole party whole party DJ scene you guys Man. definitely were like sophomore junior year you guys were definitely like in like one of the you know one of the top promoters I guess of of parties at, at USC I miss um, it I miss, I miss it, it a so lot much. I don't know. <laughs> what the future of that is and how we're going to get back to it. I don't know if it's going to be the same. But, um, yeah, no, P-Lux is, like, a super suave dude. Like, he's got the whole, like, West Coast shit down. Like, he's very charismatic. Um, And, yeah, like, he's definitely just got that sound and he's doing his thing. I remember – and he's such a chill dude. I remember one time – because we lived in Cargo, too. I I think one time, like, you – the first time I met him was, like, you and – you and him, I think, came over and like smoked a blunt with like me and Kev. Oh man, or some shit. That and I would the, just like see him. <laughs> I would just see him like around walking around Cargar. I miss like yeah, I miss you know. There's something about like living on on uh, like college college dorm and just like having having everyone so close together that just um is conducive to like 
again, like you said, meeting people who are like like minded. I didn't know that Rod was initially into sports management, and now like he's is he doing any of that shit now, or he's just uh, busy it's 100% with hundred percent music. Yeah, um, and you guys got like a whole little whole like a, a small little roster over there at MPI, right? Too. Yeah. You have, uh, so. Lynn. Uh. So. She's not with MPI anymore, but like it's still we still like mess with her, like always yeah. love. But she's doing her own thing. But right now it's Lux. It's just my boy Dijon Cross, who I've known since damn, like since high school. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, like I'm dropping music too. And then right. we got like some crazy producers also like kinda in the fold as yeah. well. It's funny, um, what you said about the PR class because I feel like so many, like, because obviously we have a music blog at Worldwide Waves, too. That's kind of how we started. And I remember, like, sophomore, junior year, like, I would get so many submissions just from that class for, like, interview requests and all this shit. And it was, like, very, you know, that's the other thing, like, why you have to, like, kind of appreciate USC, too, because it's, like, not everywhere has this this network of, like, um, people and and whether it's, like, um, you know, journalism or, like, Annenberg or, like, the, the music school it's like they do I think it, it again it comes back to the people and the professors um and everyone here who's kind of um more so like kind of artistically minded obviously it's it's LA um and and all of that stuff but um yeah so uh, so now you're doing you're you're doing PR for Lux now and you guys are you guys were I mean obviously before COVID you guys were doing some shows and you were getting out there so what was it like I guess for you when when COVID happened and like what for for your day to day and the shit that you were spending your time on, like how did it change? Man, it low key, it kind of derailed my whole plan <laughs> for, <laughs> damn, like low key my life, and cause I was really like, okay, way. this year I'm gonna re- go crazy like with DJing and try to like get into some clubs or at least like some, you know, some more established venues and not just do college stuff and really try to get like some money from it and do it more professionally and I was. Man, the parties I had, we had, the parties we had on the roster for this year, I'm like, I'm actually sad. We like the ones you got, had planned and had to <sighs> Stuff we were going to do for the people this year, like, we were going to have, again, like, Thriller Part 3, which mm. would have been crazy for yeah, Homecoming. Because, I mean, it got better every year, so this year would have been just ridiculous. USC versus UCLA again, and then I was planning to do this, like, Afrobeat dance hall like kind of African diaspora themed function, just yeah. playing music from all big, over the you're world. You're big into the Afrobeat too. Yeah, because um, I know you're 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 Jamaican, right? Yes, sir. part Jamaican. So, um, yeah, it's been great to see you kind of like develop as your own artist as well. Because I remember like freshman year, obviously, like I always knew you as like a producer making beats as well as a DJ. Um, and, and then like obviously you're 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 a writer, DJ, rapper, producer. Um, so I want to like just back up a little bit more and like how did you how did you find or like how did you gravitate towards music I guess in in the beginning like this would be probably before college. Dang, I was probably I was in fifth grade and a bunch of kids in my school started a band and I couldn't join the band because I didn't know how to play any instruments and I was just sitting there and I was like never. Wait, again. you said what grade? Fifth, fifth grade. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's these, a long time these ago. kids. I like, started a band, and I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "Man, I would never like," and I couldn't join. I was so irritated. I was like, "I'll never go out like this again." <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I tried to learn like hella instrument. I played guitar for like a summer. I was super bad at it. I played trumpet in band. I was super bad at it. 
played percussion in band and I was mediocre. And then <laughs> I finally like discovered making beats and like kind of keyboard. Well, I did making beats first in like seventh grade uh-huh. and I was super bad at it. It, but I just kept doing it because right. I, I liked it so much, and I'll just do it. Like other, I feel like other kids play video games like to kill free mm-hmm. time. Like I just sat on Logic. Yeah, and that's definitely like in. that's definitely like a pretty early, you know, good time to start. Like seventh grade. I know a lot of people who didn't start producing, and people who are like prominent and like you know doing good shit who didn't start producing until like they got to college or like in the last like year or two. Um, I always wanted to play trumpet. I think trumpet is, like, one of the coolest instruments. I'm also, like, I grew up, like, being in, in band and shit, obviously. Like, got the got the drums. Like, I was a percussion kid. But, like, for me, I never... I, like, messed around and, and dabbled in producing a little bit. But for me, it was just never... I don't think I gravitated toward it because I, I just don't think my, my mind works like that. I th- For me, like, I never had the patience to, like, sit down. I think it's because I, I am a drummer. So, like, every time I'd be, like, sitting on the computer trying to make a beat, I was, like... I was like, bro, I can just play this shit on the drums. <laughs> and I would just want to go and, like, like, I don't know, I think I just gravitate more towards, like, instruments and shit. But it's, like, it's interesting to, like, start, like, get into music or whatever, you know, whether it's music or, like, whatever whatever field it is and, like, gravitate towards, like, what you, what you like and what you're good at. So, like, obviously you being someone who is so versatile and, like, multi-talented as a, as a songwriter and a, and a writer and a producer and a rapper, like, is there anything... Like, what's the journey been like for you in terms of like balancing all that and and obviously DJing too? Like, is there is there one of those things that you think is kind of like your your main thing or like your forte, or are you still trying to just like grow as a as a musician overall? Mm. I would say I guess my main thing is probably like now like artistry and songwriting. Just because I feel like it's the time to do it, cause mm-hmm. I'm, cause I'm young and like you know, no one really wants to hear like forty year old dudes rapping, like unless <laughs> you're like Jay Z or something, or yeah. Lil Wayne. Like no one really wants to hear that. Like there's some meme I saw that's like, oh bro, like you're fifty, like stop rapping. It's time for jazz. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I, mean, I feel I, that I'm a jazz head, so like I have no problem with it. Because <laughs> when I'm old, I want to be with the piano somewhere playing mm-hmm. jazz. But like right now. Uh, definitely music and artistry. I definitely say the part that I'm most confident in is DJing because it's just like, that's the one that I know I'm really like, I'm not going to fuck it up. Like when I drop a song, I'm like, damn, like I hope mm-hmm. people like it. If I produce something, I'm like, I hope I hope people like this beat. But like when I DJ, I'm like, all right, yeah. I already know like these songs, I've been DJing for a while. I've done enough functions. I'm like, these songs, this, like this is going to work for these people. This is going to work for these people, yeah. um, et cetera. I feel that I definitely, like, knew you first as a DJ because, like, even, like, going back to Party Third Floor when we would have those tailgates, like, we'd have, like, the like the drinking game room and, like, the <laughs> like the, the drinks room and, the, and then your room would be, like, the DJ music room. So that's that was kind of, like, my, when I knew, like, okay, this, this dude's, like, a, a, a DJ. He knows how to spin. He's got, like, great taste. But, um, yeah, like, take us through, I guess, your journey as an artist. I know, like, you've you've gone through some fate. Like, you started off, obviously, producing with the, like, Black Monte Beats. Um, kind of went through a rebrand with, with Ronnie Quest. So just, like, take us through your vision as an artist um, and the, ty- the type of music you make and the type of music you're gravitating towards at, at this point in your career. And I guess just the overall vibes and like message that you want people to feel when they when they listen to your to your music and your art. 
Um, I guess it again starts like when I'm super young, like making beats and just. I just remember always hearing music in my head and being irritated that I didn't know how to make it. And I think that's like maybe like my musical journey is just like me trying to figure out how to like get out what's in my head and then maybe just being frustrated that I can't figure out how. And that's probably why like I've ended up doing so like trying so many different instruments or like, I don't know, trying production, trying songwriting, like DJing, like just different ways to express what's in my head and never like fully being able to do it. And it like kind of just keeps driving me. Like I think if I figured out how to just like make exactly what I wanted, like I would probably like stop making music, but <laughs> I, I never can. Like it's always That's just a way to get better or like try something different. And like also just working around, like I didn't realize when I was younger, but I have like apparently really bad like ADHD and like I remember really? doing math like in high school. I can kind of see that. Yeah, it would give me headache. No, like now I now that I know I notice I'll just start talking and I'll be somewhere else in a conversation completely. But I didn't realize that really affected me reading sheet music. Mm. And so like my whole life I was always taking band classes and they're like this kid like clearly knows how to make music. But like he's terrible at reading it, like he's not picking it up, and like I just could not focus for an hour and look at these tiny dots on a page and like figure it out. No matter what, like piano, like it's still like to this day, like I cannot like sit down and practice for a long time, and it would I would just get pissed off. And so there, I got to find like alternative routes and like the traditional ways to make music, cause like my brain just wasn't cut yeah. out for it. And so like I would be, I would, we would rap battle in the quad at school, like beats on the lunch table, dance battles. I would DJ, like I would make beats, cause like making beats, it like it just made more sense to me. I don't know, I don't know why it made more sense, cause staring at a laptop for hours on end is just as <laughs> it's the same yeah. thing, but it just at the time I guess it made more sense and yeah. I got, damn, I don't even. I, I guess I, mean, I was just chasing something, I like think, chasing a feeling. I think that's definitely a common theme. Like a lot of the best musicians, like can't even read sheet music, and um, yeah, that's that's the thing for me. Like obviously, like I grew up playing music, but there was a certain point where I realized I'm the same way with like sight reading. Like I can't. Like it's hard for me to like. I'm not one of those people who's just like some people. It just like clicks. Like I'll have friends who I who I like went to high school with who are like you know going to music school now and they're just like in high school like you knew that they were just virtuosic and they were they like found their craft and like this is what they do well at. So I realized pretty early on that like I'm not one. I'm not like someone who's a a, a super like uber talented musician and and then I also realized I'm not an artist and not that I ever wanted to like be an artist in, in my own right but like st you know probably after I got to college and started connecting with the music scene and like meeting other people and artists who have this like drive in them to like create music and create art like just solely originally out of their mind um is like I realized that that's not me because I don't have the drive to like sit down like even for you like you you make beats so like you you have that kind of drive in, and you like again, like you, you you said you didn't know why you liked making beats because it's the, like in a way it's the same thing as like looking at sheet music and shit. Um, but I think you're definitely like again, like since you're focusing on your artistry, you're like starting to realize that like, and I think it, again something you probably realized like when you were younger and you were were in seventh grade, like making beats. Like, not everyone is cut out to be an artist, and like not everyone. It like has the ability to be an artist because I think it, a lot of it goes back to like 
just the brain and like how your brain works and like you look at the most you know talented artists or like influential artists of our time and it's like they're very um i think a lot of them do have you know adhd and like all that other shit and like they probably wouldn't be able to do other shit like as well as they could be an artist like whether it's um i don't know like jay-z or i guess jay-z is like a pretty pretty big like businessman now too but like like kanye west or something one of the most influential producers like but at the same time a very like quote unquote problematic dude with the way his brain works but like for to me it's like all those things that make him that people say are negative about him i think like you need that to for him to be able to like make the art that he makes i think it's like um like you need both sides that's facts i always said like I feel like mental illness and like creativity are are directly linked because people are always mm-hmm. like, oh, like this music is so different. Like, oh, this painting is so different. Like, how did this guy think of this? And I'm like, because his brain is messed up because he doesn't think like normal people. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like it's that way for so like, obviously not all artists. I'm sure there's artists with very normally functioning brains. Mm-hmm. I don't know where they're at. I haven't <laughs> met them yet, but. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the best ones are. Man, I feel like it's directly linked. I'm like, they're like, how did this guy think of this song? I was like, because he's crazy, like a little bit, yeah, <laughs> like, like for sure. Like, it, he's definitely, you know, pe- people like Kanye West. Like, I think because he's at this point, I think diagnosed with bipolar, and and I'm sure you could say the same thing. Like, people like Frank Ocean, like he's definitely dealing with some shit as well. I don't know, like obviously personally, like wh- whatever it is, but like you can tell people like that are not it's and it's because again it's because of whatever's going on in their brain that allows them to like reach other places or like use music to like uh, as a therapeutic tool to like get over that or like find peace within themselves and again like not everyone can be an artist like not i, I don't know if society would work if everyone was like kanye west or if any, everyone was like frank ocean but like it's good that there's a there's a small number of people who are like that to kind of I don't know, inspire, entertain, um, whatever it is. Um, so I want to go continue with some of these questions. Um, I guess I already, I already asked you like what your thoughts are on, on USC. Cause again, it's like, a, a you know, recently it, it, it is quite a, I feel like it, it's funny as soon as we got to USC, like all this fucking, all these scandals started Man. and shit. <laughs> and it's been like one after the other. Um, a bullshit parade while we were here. <laughs> yeah, but like I don't know. It's hard to like appreciate the present moment when you're in it. But like, how do you think you'll um, look back on this time of not even necessarily college, but like this, these formative years? Like again, we're like twenty one, twenty two. Like, Dang. like just like we were talking about with freshman year. Like you don't realize like how important these years are. So like I don't know. I guess this is just a moment I'm trying to give you to like appreciate or reflect. Like how do you think you'll look back on on this time for you? Like when you're forty or fifty. I think it will be probably one of the most challenging times in my life. I think looking back, like, USC and just generally, like, being this age, like, was not smooth sailing by any degree. Like, I'm kind of didn't wasn't even sure at certain points that I'd still, like, be here at the school or, like, mm-hmm. doing this or... I don't know. So I'm happy to be here. I think I'll always feel, like, kind of, like sad or like feel like something was taken from me like because of coronavirus oh, and not being able to finish finish properly like that's always gonna have me messed up just because 
it's like wasn't just like my senior year. It was like, man, we had so many things planned to do yeah. this year. That like, like outside of school, obviously too. Yeah, and I feel like they were all kind of fit together, like the music and graduation and all of this. And now we're all just posted up in our rooms trying to get by. But other than that, I think I'll definitely remember most like the people because the institution, like it is what it is. Like. I don't know if USC is any better or any worse than any other college institution. Like, I can't. Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone yeah. complains about their school and the, everyone's how the education system and get on a woke oh, trip. Yeah. Like, we could have a whole conversation yeah. about like college and like, yeah, <laughs> the problems and, like, with just how we're low system. key getting finessed. But I'm like, ah, like, yeah, I, everyone kind of got finessed by the Western world for the past like 600 years. So, <laughs> that aside, there were some cool people that I met here, <laughs> so that was um, that's probably the best part. That's yeah, I think that's what it is. Like the people, I, I I'm starting to appreciate that more now. Probably in the last like year or so, I started to appreciate that and like realize that like I will like I will know these people for pretty much the rest of my life. Like I'm sure I'm gonna know you Facts. when I'm 40 or 50, Facts. and we'll be we'll be cool and we'll we'll chill or whatever. Um, so I, I'm excited to see like everyone's paths and see how that goes. Um. Are you still involved with ZBT at all? You were in a frat. You were in a Man, frat freshman year. <laughs> nah, they don't. I mean, I'm so cool. Some of the people are still in it, but I'm I'm You're old. Not I'm old now. Yeah, yeah, I'm retired. Um, <laughs> especially now, like people who are active in frats now during COVID, it's like so much weirder. It's like, what are you guys actually doing? <laughs> Bro, yeah, I don't see. I mean, people are still. I'm not saying any specific fraternities, no snitching, but uh, certain undisclosed um, for uh, brotherhood mm-hmm. groups on campus are still holding 100%. a lot of events and uh, doing stuff. It looks kind of gross to me, but I mean... It's grimy. I think they're the, the university's cracking down. Yeah. I think there's like fines and penalties. And like, I don't know. I'm just so disconnected. I was never... I went to like one frat party my entire time here. I'm just so disconnected from that. Yeah, so it, I wanted to talk to you about that. And just it like, personally feel it like doesn't look like something like super lit. Well, some of the events have low-key look lit, but I think also I have this come from perspective of that I'm old. Like I'm a senior and I probably wouldn't be going to these events anyway, even if they were open. And I think if I was 18, I would probably, and, and I was just stuck in my mom's house for the past year, I might have a very different view on mm. going out to yeah, events and because going to parties. When you first go to college, especially with USC, like frats are one of the biggest things. And it's so, it's like romanticized and you want to yeah. go rush. But I, I like ZBT specific. Like it's probably one of my favorite frats and I probably know the most people in ZBT. I always thought, I always kind of thought of it and, and let me know what your thoughts are on this but like it always seemed like the music frat to me because there's so many people there who are involved in music was a lot of artistic people that was probably one of the main draws for me and i was like wow there are a ton of kids who are like in the music program yeah. or who produce or make beats and i think that i don't know i think that usc like loki just attracts those kind of kind of people in general like was that like why do you think it was ZBT? Was it like a planned thing or was it just something that happened when we were here? Has it always been like that at ZBT? Because I know like now, like, because obviously Sean was a ZBT brother, Craig. Yes, sir. JVO. Yes, sir. Uh, now Gusby, my boy yes, Grant. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, who sir. Who Gusby. I'm sure there's others that I'm missing. DJ Listo. DJ Listo. Um, Shout out Listo. So, so that was like part of the reason that you that you gravitated towards that frat? I think so. I mean, really, my probably the main reason was my roommate freshman year, who I'd known since sixth grade, was just all Adam. it. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, <laughs> man, like... He's a cool dude. 
Let's let's try it. I was in high school. I was like, I would I would never join a frat league. I would never pay to have friends. Those those people are so dumb. Like I would never. Why would I ever want to party? Like no. Yeah. Like why would I ever want to be? And then I and I got here and I was like, eh, like I don't know. The events look cool. The dudes seem chill. Like, and then we also just don't really like. I mean, not that we don't have black Greek life at USC, but I feel like the black community is so small that you can participate in it without mm-hmm. participating in black Greek life while like Obviously. a lot of parts of campus, if you don't join like IFC Greek life, I feel like are closed off to you, especially as like an underclassman. Like as a mm-hmm. senior, I think the utility is pretty low, but I think as a freshman and a sophomore, when you don't drive and it's literally like go to these events or sit in your dorm or throw your own events, which I was also doing. I don't know. It was cool. Like people, people would hate on it. People, were like, I can't believe you joined like a white frat. But I'm like, man, like I'm at USC. What I was, what, what am I supposed to do? Like sit in my room? Exactly. Um. Yeah. Like I, I have no. Like I do think frat culture is like I do think it's overly hated at USC. Like people want to, you know, point fingers and say that this is like, especially over the summer with all like when when all the BLM stuff happened and, and saying, oh, all these frats are racist and, like, white supremacists. And, like, that's probably true to an extent, but it's, like, what do you gain from, like, saying that? And what do you gain from, like, I guess alienating and, like, saying we want to abolish Greek life and shit? Like, I think it's... I don't know. I, I think everyone, like, just needs to, like, get along. And, like, I feel like there's so much... So much just, like, pettiness involved in it. Yeah, I would say I I gotta give it like Greek life is pretty dumb. Like, <laughs> not just from stuff like I agree. Like I agree. Yeah, like there's a lot of dumb stuff that goes on, and if they got rid of it, like I'm sure campus might be like a slightly less stupid place. But as far as like I don't know, people. I feel like people have a lot of personal opinions about I don't know a lot of organizations that in general and just. I'm like, man, we're here, like, you might as well try it out, and if you don't like it, you don't have to join, but I think people who are just, like, turned their nose up, I feel like a lot of people at USC who turn their nose up, not just at Greek life, but a lot of different organizations, like, oh, certain people are like, oh, I'm not going to go to the BSA meetings, like, they're too woke, or yeah. I'm not going to join concerts committee yeah. because, yeah. oh, like, they don't do, the, I don't like the type of music that they do, yeah. I'm like, bro, like, you might as well go to, like, one meeting and at least like see at least meet some people even if you don't like it you might meet one cool guy and at least you have like a plug now like if you rushed and you didn't join you might at least have a dude who gets you in like yeah if you if you went to concerts committee and you found out oh you didn't really vibe with the people you might have still found like someone that you could throw shows with on the side if you went to you know bsa and you didn't like it you might have found out about another like subgroup that more that fits you you better but i think people just, you know, trying to be clicked up or meeting one group of friends and just saying this, it restricted them. And I think, like, that was the, like, I think my favorite part of USC was, but not even, was just meeting all the people. And I think the reason I've had any type of success in life has always been just, like, meeting new people. Like, obviously, I throw events, so, like, I'm an extreme extrovert. Yeah. And, like, I'm always trying to meet somebody new or make a new friend. But I'm like, man, every... Everything really that's good that's happened to me in the past few years of my life has been because I've met somebody, like, whether living with Rod and Lux, super random. Like, I could have been, oh, no, I want to live with people I know and I'm mm. super tight with. And if I don't, I'll just, you know, go back home. But I'm like, man, like, I literally would be in a completely different place yeah, in life exactly. if I didn't meet them. Or if I didn't go to whatever 
this club or this party or just meet this guy, like my life would be so different. I, every pretty much like job I've gotten, plug I've gotten has been just from like a dude that I knew on some non-business tip or like some guy I met at a club, like a campus club, or, I don't know, maybe a real club. Mm-hmm. Or just a guy, you know, maybe I was just chilling at my friend's house and I took the time to talk to somebody who was there at, like, a kickback. And they ended up being really cool. And then six months later, like, wow, I have an internship because of this guy that I just randomly daffed up at a party because I was nice to him or something. And right. he was nice to me. I don't know. So I feel like people miss out on a lot of, like, opportunities and experiences by just being too Yeah, again, on. like, a lot of it's clicky. I think you're someone, and I think I'm someone, too, who, like we get along with like so many different types of people and i know like i'll be hanging out with someone one day and the next day i'll be hanging out with someone else and i know the person i hung out with the first day will like never be interested in hanging out with the person i I, I, but like to me it's like so beneficial it's like you don't have to get along with everyone or or i guess you do have to get along you don't have to like agree with everyone um and again the thing like oh i don't want to i don't fuck with the concerts committee or i don't fuck with um you know i, I heard I, I heard like vaguely of like just rifts in bsa over the last you know a few years um because i'm on like student government not too big because of concerts committee so it's like you just hear all of this gossip and all this clickiness and like um obviously hella shit went down over the summer with with like the president getting you know impeached or he resigned or like stuff like that it's like all this um no comment no yeah <laughs> that was such a messy fucking time man they were like on on just across the board it was just a terrible like it was just it was just such a fucking shit show um but yeah i think it's and because you're such an extroverted person and such like a, a, a you know interpersonal person like you like me and you realized like the 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 benefit of like having different types of friends and it's like where everything right now is like i feel like we've never been like more petty as a society at least as like a generation like our this you know this age of people because it's like you want to be you want to be like aligned with the right things and a lot of it's like because of like political things that are like way above us and it's like oh i have to align with this because i i quote unquote like believe in these ideals so i have to you know associate with these people and not associate with those people and i think that like obviously speaks to the bigger issue with just like how divided we are as a country and like all that shit um Man, I feel like low-key, one of the benefits of being, like, an immigrant or a child of immigrants is that you're not really tied to, like, a lot of the That's American, like, like people, oh, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican. I'm like, I'm like bro, my like mom's, like, not even a citizen. Like, she doesn't yeah. even pledge allegiance. I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is because we're, like, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, children of immigrants as well, and it's, you know, if you're, if you grew up and, like, you're grandfather and great-grandfather all like kind of lived in the same place like that's another thing too i realized like i met people and i always knew this happened but like people who literally like their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents all like grew up in the same town and for me that's Crazy. like so foreign to me but at the same time my family back in pakistan like that's how they lived and then my parents just decided to come over here and it changed this and it because of that i have i have an entirely different perspective i, I think in a lot of ways children of immigrants and like first generation people can like they kind of look at America more objectively because it's not like they were like, I was born in America. Obviously I identify as like being American. I identify with being American probably more than 
another country. But um, there's definitely something to be said about that. And the thing you said about pledging allegiance, I realized recently like how fucking weird and like dystopian Crazy. it is that every day in elementary school they made us pledge allegiance. Like you realize that like they did that for a reason to kind of like you're literally pledging allegiance to your government. Like I, I didn't. You think it's normal? And then like super weird. A few months ago, I was like, wait. That was some weird-ass fucking shit. I remember I had a homie who was Jehovah's Witness in elementary school, and he didn't pledge allegiance because he goes, like, we only, like, pledge allegiance to God or, like, wow. whatever. And I was like, bro, like, that's, like... That's also... And I was, like, I was, like... I would have just done it. I was, like, in, I was, like, in elementary school, I'm like, damn, bro, like, I mean, I guess, like, that seems like it's taking it kind of far. But now that I'm older, I'm like, damn, bro, I'm not pledging allegiance to, like, a government. Like, no. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't know y'all like that, like... I didn't choose to be here. Like it's it's cool with America. Like, it's chill, but but I think yeah, I think that's like one of the great parts about being an immigrant. Or maybe it was probably worse when we were younger. Cause like when I was younger, I was like, damn, I don't really relate to anybody. Like people would be like, oh, like you know, you're from this area, so it's like, oh, you're from LA, so you're like this, and I'm like, yeah, kind of. Like I know dudes like that. Like I understand the culture, but like. I'm not completely from, like, my family not from here. Like, yeah. people will be like, oh, well, you're black in America, so you have to think like this. And I'm like, I understand where people are coming from, but I'm like, that, not completely. People say, oh, well, you know, you're whatever, like, you're tied, I want to tie all these things. You get to college and people have all these different groups and, like, societies and, like, you know, or even in America, it's so divided and everyone's like, this is our culture and this mm -hmm. is what we believe. I'm like, man, I never really felt... Yeah. I always felt like an outsider because people, you're you're younger, you're an immigrant. Oh, y'all, you're not like us. Like, you're not like whatever these kids because of this. You're not like this. You're foreign. Like, you're mm -hmm. not from America. And then now everyone wants you to pick a side. Oh, we're Democrats. Yeah, like, we're Republicans. That's we're why I this. Don't fuck with like identity politics and like and all that shit. Um, that actually brings me to another thing I, I really wanted to talk to you about today. Um, just because again, like you're someone with very unique perspectives being, you know, obviously being, uh, being a, a children of immigrant and like growing up in California and LA and, and like everything else that goes into it. Um, I want to talk to you about hoteps <laughs> and your thought, because listen, man, I recently got exposed to, I'm dead to like, <laughs> to like hoteps and that kind of way of thinking. And I've realized it's very like perceived as problematic in, I guess just like again this this sphere of conversation and like you know um you have to align with certain things if you're a certain person or I identify with a certain group um and I know you have like kind of differing opinions than a lot of people probably and I've I've seen you like tweet sh certain shit about you know whatever s some issues so like what what are your thoughts on hoteps and like what does that actually mean because I want to get your opinion I've been just like watching YouTube videos and, like, started following certain people. And and the reason I ask, because a lot of the things that Hoteps talk about, to me, are s somewhat refreshing, and I kind of agree with a lot of the ideologies. Oh, man, be careful. And I know, dude. And, I and <laughs> listen, you know I have a lot of, uh like, kind of unpopular opinions, too. And for me, n being someone who's obviously not a part of the black community, I've always seen it as, like, I can't like I feel like I can't talk about it. Like I mm. can't say, "Oh, I agree with Hotep's. I agree with this certain thing that they're saying." But for me, it's like the it's just refreshing in the sense that again, like it's not Democrat Republican. It's kind of this more. I think it's like I think what draws me to it is that like whether they're right or wrong, they're trying to be like free thinkers and mm. independent. So I just want to get what what do you have to say about that? Mm. I said the Hotep movement is like a a response to the lack of 
ident- like able to ability to connect with African culture that enslaved people have, especially within urban America. I would say like because America is a first world country, I would say like black people who have been in the United States, Canada, Europe, who are like in the Western world probably have the least access to like African culture of any like of the African obviously black people in Africa have the most access to African culture. Then you have places like, you know, certain places in Brazil where like the proper population is by American definitions of what black is, like fifty percent black. Places like Cuba where they're, you know, they still still speak Yoruba and practice traditional African religions. But then you think about places like London or somewhere like maybe Los Angeles where People haven't been in touch with African like people people don't speak any African languages here. Like they there's there's black culture for sure, but it's definitely like its own thing because it's been isolated. And Amer the American black population is maybe fifteen percent. So your culture is always being pushed to the background. People are commodifying certain parts, putting down other certain parts. Like you have even like when you talk about voodoo in Louisiana, the reason that survived is because the French were much more lax in their slave ownership than the British were. So those people retained more African culture because the French kind of let them do more of what they want. The same thing you look at Haiti. Haiti has some of the most African culture, and they're demonized because of it for voodoo. But anyway, so we look at black people who live in like first world westernized countries. Because of where they live, they have the lowest population of black peoples, and the countries they live in are doing the most possible to separate them from the African culture. You always talk to black people in America, yeah. they be like, I don't Obviously, know my roots. Again, like, because the U.S. government is so yeah. fucked up in so many ways. So the Hotep movement, I think, is a response to that, and it's kind of like a misguided response to try to reconnect with black culture. But because people don't know where in Africa they're coming from, they don't have access to hit like real deep history to find out and you know know where they're from they have to kind of create their own narrative and you get a lot of different narratives in black america about what our roots are like whether you have you know the woke conscious people you have hotel people you have um the black moorish movement you have the black israelite movement you have the nation of islam you have the civil you black panthers and you know everyone has their own take on things and some people i don't want to you know crap on anyone's beliefs but i mean some people's beliefs are just straight up historically inaccurate and i mean like if you read a history book you would be like damn like this is just directly wrong but I think because black people don't really have know what in Africa they're supposed to relate to, they have to kind of create their own narrative. And the Hotep narrative draws a lot on like Egyptian culture and like, yeah. oh, we were royalty, like we were, were kings, black. and we have to. And it's kind of like one of those things where we've been torn so much down that we have to build ourselves up. Like we were kings, we're the original people. And realistically, we know that most African slaves came from West Africa and they they may or may not have migrated from Egypt at some point, but you really know West African yeah. culture was its own thing. But since people don't know where in West Africa they came from, the same way like, oh, you have the black Israelite movement where black people like we were the original Israelites and blah, blah, blah. And though there are black Jews, they were mostly like in Ethiopia and want to say Zimbabwe I'm not sure but they actually found them and they're most of them are living in Israel now 
And but because black people they didn't know their own history, they're exposed only to the Bible. They read the stories of the Hebrews. They related to them because they were an oppressed people in another land, living living for like hundreds and hundreds of years as slaves. They related to that, and it created like, oh, we're the real Israelites, mm-hmm. which you know is somewhat like Nick Cannon got in trouble for talking yeah. about that. Yeah. And like it's low key like somewhat historically accurate because there are black Jews, but because the people in West Africa were not necessarily the same as the black Jews, but it's a narrative, the same as like the Rastafarian narrative of Haile Selassie is actually Jesus, and he came back to save oh, black I people. I know, I'm familiar with, with, with who he is. I never knew that. That's that Rasta's a, worship Haile Selassie as like yeah, a kind a of savior figure. It has to do with Marcus Garvey saying a black mm-hmm. prophet would rise in the West and about how the lineage of Ethiopian kings is supposedly comes from the lineage of Solomon because of the Queen of Sheba in the Bible. And it's all this stuff. But it basically all comes from black people not really knowing where they're from and being able or even being allowed to know where they're from. Like, even if you wanted to, like, how would you know? Like... If you were a descendant of slaves, especially like America, certain parts of Europe, how would you know? Yeah, I appreciate this so much because like I know you're you're kind of into somewhat into the history aspect of it too. So that's why I wanted to talk to you about it, and you definitely just like dropped hella knowledge that like I I guess I I wasn't like very much exposed to. But I guess what what drew me and it's not necessarily that I agree with like I identify with like what they're saying I, it's just refreshing to me to like hear that different perspective and I, for me a big part of it is like I'm a huge anthropology nerd so like I'm hella into like ancient civilizations like oh, obviously yeah. Egypt is like so fucking crazy like there's you could just it's a huge rabbit hole you could go down in like Egypt and the pyramids and all that shit um, and again that combined with the fact that the US government was like based off you know, it is based off white supremacy and racism and, and erasing culture and, and, and um, you know, to a sense, brainwashing the public, whether it's the, the black community or, or everyone, because they just want, they really just want to control, you know, whoever it is. Um, so, like, these conversations of, like, where did, you know, what is our history? Where did we come from? And again, like what you said, it's a, it's a very good point that, like, the people who were, you know, brought over here as slaves were still a small like segment of Mm. the entire like black population so it's definitely like tough because uh because of the last four or five six hundred years there's been such a loss of identity and this um yeah these stories about about the moors and like how how you know like because just historically like africa was developed you know before europe really like egypt is like one of the pinnacle of civilizations that's like two three thousand bc um, so, like, w- what's interesting to me is, like, hearing Hoteps talk about these kind of, like, out there theories of, um, you know, the, you know, whether it was the Egyptians or, you know, the story of the Moors and the Masons and, and how, you know, you know, uh, African people, you know, basically taught Europeans how to be civilized and, like, hygiene and, and all that stuff. And, again, like, I haven't read, uh, like, anything really specifically about that. I've just heard people talk about it on podcasts and, like, whatever it is. And it's interesting because, like, yeah, like, I'm not going to put it past, you know, white Americans and the European, like, axis of power to, to like, to, like, lie, lie to people about that and whitewash history because that's obviously what they do. Um, the idea that before, before slavery and, like, our – or before modern – I guess transatlantic European slavery. Obviously, slavery has been going on for basically the, the beginning of time, but in European paintings and Renaissance paintings, they would portray, you know, black people, African people as kings, as like these revered kings that they were. 
and then after whatever Columbus and all this, once shit got like fucked up with the transatlantic slave trade, there was a concerted effort to portray black people as like, you know, savages and, and lesser than. So th- that's why I, I'm just like super, I'm just like interested in hearing all different perspectives. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like you don't have to agree with someone to listen to them. I truly think you can learn more from someone you don't agree with than someone you do agree with. And that's why like everything with current, just like the current media sphere is like so fucked up with mainstream media, whether it's like Fox or CNN, like they're all, it, it's just like they're cheerleader, cheerleaders for their own people and their own ideologies. So, um, yeah, I mean, do you have, like, wh- what do you think is, I guess, it's a huge question, but like, wh- how do we like get past this? Like, I feel like we're ideologically handicapped and we're not like thinking critically. And again, it's because the U.S. has, like, all these systems and processed media and, like, even processed food and all this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, what is what is the step in the right direction? And I, and I think one of them is, like, art and music. But, like, yeah. how do you... Because I feel like you think about these things as well. Like, how do you see us kind of, you know, start starting to fix these problems? I think information and, like, education, self-education. Um, self-education. I sure. mean, I've probably been definitely influenced by my family. But I remember talking to my great-aunt. Because she grew up in rural, rural Jamaica. Her father was illiterate. She was one of seven. And my whole, that whole part of my family all ended up at minimum getting like a graduate degree, if not like a doctorate degree. And she was like, education and family is the key to escaping poverty. And I was Mm. like, damn, like that's hella real. And like she put it into practice because she really, like they grew up rural, new market. And like it's cool out there. Like I'm not going to like make it sound like these people are like backwards or anything but like it's definitely like a different type of lifestyle it's hard like you're working outside you're working with your hands and all these people like her father helped my great grandfather helped build the Panama Canal and really? like yeah crazy like just to get money to buy land and be like one like a black landowner yeah. in Jamaica and but like they educated themselves and because they were able to like attend school and because their father like their father's really the one who's like, You guys need to go. Like you're not gonna not be able to read like me. Like you need to have these skills to come up in the world. Like I definitely have been influenced by that because I'm like education and not just necessarily like college education, even though that's what worked for them, but just knowing things like knowing something that someone else don't it doesn't is so powerful. Like and not even to make it sound like an elitist thing, but like that's such an advantage to have over somebody to know something. And people always talk, I think the going back to the Hotep movement, it's people trying to educate themselves but not really knowing how yeah. and not really having access to certain things. It's very so it's convoluted. Kinda, yeah, it's like kind of making your own story. And I think, you know, what the next step is is to, is to give access to this information because there's so much like black and African history that is not really in mainstream access or in textbooks or or like there's a bunch of Muslim writings in from Timbuktu in West Africa that describes so much of African history that have never been translated into English. Really? Never. They're they're being translated like, you know, people are working on it, but there's no budget for it because it's not what they want you to because, know. Because yeah, like the, the the academic institutions of the world, Timbuktu, Muslim, yeah. Black, African writings, like no, nah, we're not gonna translate yeah, that. That's the that's the biggest like frustrating thing. 
what you said about self-education, like, that's what's... And, again, that's one of the big things that draws me to, like, hoteps is because they, whether they're right or wrong, they're trying to, like... They, they realize that, you know, white American history, the history books are very, like, pretty much fucking fiction, t- to be honest, or, like, a very... So far from, like, what... It's, like, selective history. That, that's how I like to say it. It's, like, you're lying by omission. You're lying by not saying certain things. Right. Um, so that's... Yeah, I think that's where it starts, like... We have the internet now. Looking at you know, looking at um, listening to podcasts. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of books published on it too by, by you know like black Afrocentric authors who will talk about these things. Talk about whether it's it's the theory of like the Egyptian roots or um, again like the Moors and the Masons, the the Hebrew Israelites, and like all, all that stuff. Like all these things that um, that you don't that isn't taught in like even even like again like that's the you know i think you know with with even with black history month like we're taught you know certain things but like even black history month is like a very it's like like uh, it's it's still dictated by like the white people in power this is like black history it's like uh, it start like it starts with slavery just slavery and and george washington carver playing with peanuts exactly it's like there's so much rich history. Like Africa was was the first civilizations. Like Timbuktu, Mansa Musa, I think is still the richest, richest person, person who ever, ever lived. lived. And it's like we don't know that. We think like Jeff Bezos is the richest dude who ever lived. And it's like that's what I think it is. Like self education, yeah. um, just like starting to starting to normalize these things. Um, yeah, I think that's the one part of the Hotep movement, or like some of these other Black conscious movements that are slightly dangerous. Is like though people have good intentions of trying to like create history and create a culture, like because Africa is has such a diverse and rich history, and there's so many different parts, and you could probably spend years studying just an individual ethnic group. Trying to like create your own theories is just spreading. It does spread a lot of misinformation. Yeah, like a lot of these does. groups have spread a lot of misinformation. Like, oh, you know, we were kings. Like, we were in Egypt. I'm like, man, like, West African history is so crazy. Like, we don't need to pretend yeah. to be these other people. Exactly. Like, like I think Africa has the is the most ethnically diverse continent on the world. And to go, oh, well, this is just all black Makes people. It's and the it's like, and the oldest. it's like, yeah, like, they're all black people. Like, they're all dark-skinned people. But as you look, like, even in terms of, like, genetics, like... People in two different ethnic groups in Africa are just as genetically different as a black person and a white person, a black person, an Asian person. Like mm-hmm. it's the most ethnically diverse, yeah. it's the most languages, it's the oldest, and just to like, oh, we were, you know, we were in Egypt, we were kings. Like yeah. that's cool and like that's good or whatever, like trying to discover more about history. But I think you can go so much deeper. Like mm-hmm. even for myself, like as someone who my like the black parts of my family that like, goes to like Jamaica, like Jamaican culture is very influenced directly by like the Akan people who are within what is now Ghana because the British, that was a British colony. They took the slaves from the Gold Coast, brought them to Jamaica, and they were the predominant slaves. And you can like see if you study the culture, like, yo, even if my bloodline might have been from partially Akan slaves and partially from other parts of the world the British colonized, like, I know the culture here comes from this part of Africa mm-hmm. and like you're yeah. able to study that's that. something you can trace and yeah. kind of be somewhat confident in. And you're like, yeah, like okay, even if this is not genetically who I am, like culturally the culture that formed me comes from here. And like you like I've learned that there's even 
they're like the Maroons in Jamaica, and some of them still speak Tweed, which is an Akan language, and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. And I, it's harder to do when you're, you know, in America, or if you're been in families, been in America, or been in Europe for generations mm-hmm. and generations. But I think if people just learn more about West African history in general, it would give them more to connect to. Because you might not know which country you're from or which area, but just to know, like, yo, it's so many different people here in this general area who were doing all this stuff and some of them were Muslims and some of them were you know practiced traditional African religion and some were kings and some were farmers some yeah. were warriors yeah. some were good people some were like to it's say nuanced. we were to say we were all just kings and we're all living these great lives I'm yeah. like that's not true if we were all kings like how the hell did we end up <laughs> being slaves like I would have had an army like I would have exactly <laughs> exactly and it's like then you have to talk about the fact that like you know, other black people were the ones who sold, you know, black people into slavery and like all that. It's, it's again, it's very nuanced. And the 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 idea, like what you said about you know Egyptians, it's like it's kind of lazy and easy to just say, oh, we were we were the pharaohs. And, and like again, like what I've learned about Egyptian culture, that it was actually very cosmopolitan. And there probably yeah. were some pharaohs who were black and some who were more Arab. And I've even heard shit that like there was I don't know who it is. I don't know. Yeah, there's been a lot Cleopatra, of different. Like there was like part there was. Europeans, there's a lot of like, different Roman, influence. Like, part, yeah, because once it was, mixed, it was a mixed race thing. There were there were pharaohs that were like white. There were pharaohs. Yeah, that were once black, once the Greeks took Arab. over, Alexander the Great conquered Egypt. There was like twenty Greek pharaohs, and like yeah, it's arguable. Like people don't really know. I actually had a conversation with someone yesterday about this. Like Cleopatra's black, and I was like. I mean, that would be cool to say that, but, like, historically speaking, the Ptolemy line was in power. Like, there was a good chance she was mixed or she was Greek or she was... Like, yeah, because at one point, like, Nubians definitely ruled, I think it was the 25th dynasty. It was for sure black pharaohs for, like, two, three hundred, four hundred years. And we know that, like, the Egyptian religion is black and it comes out of the cultures, like, below them on the Nile. They were the original ones to build pyramids and, like... There's more uh, pyramids in Sudan than there are in Egypt. So we know that Egyptian culture, at least at its base, is a black thing. But I think we don't, like, I don't know. I don't even know if that's what matters is that the Egyptians were black. Okay, the Egyptians were black. Like, yeah. what does that do for I think, me? Like, again, like, some of them were, some of them weren't. It was, it was, it like, the Egyptian, like, dy- like, it was for thousands of years. Like, people moving, it's not like it's the same people who are doing it. Like, again, this is the scale of a yes. thousand years. It took, it took, like, there was one temple I think they spent 200 years just building. And it's, like, hard for us to fathom that because, like, the way we perceive time is, like, so... We have this short attention span, and we don't realize that, like, this in America has been a thing for, what, like, 250 years? Yeah. Like, Egypt was fucking, you know, on top of the world for, like, I don't know. I have no idea, but let's say, like, one or 2,000 years they were doing their thing. And, like... So many different historical dynasties and narratives. And and they were all different people. Again, some some were I'm sure some were black, some were you know Arab looking, like you said, some were Greek. I love that you have all this like specific information and like that's I, that's one of the things I respect about you is like you you also kind of have that curiosity to like you know learn about history and like learn about um, your own roots, but not even you like to me it's, it's just like our like the, the world history and like what happened on this earth before we were here because there's there's so much we can learn. And again, like we're we're stuck in America, and it's just such a fucked up, demented place because of slavery and, and racism and and, and just control. Again, like control. I think the people in power, like honestly, want to control everyone th- the same. And obviously, there's racism and white supremacy that goes into it. But I think again, like I, I do think we have more 
in common than we than we don't. You know, we're all that's 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 facts. I remember. I think the black. I, I want to say I don't want to quote me on this because it may not have. But I, one of the Black Panthers leaders was talking about how they like purposely divided the poor blacks and the poor whites so they couldn't come together yeah, and fight the power. That's like racism sure. is like that's facts for sure. Racism is the number one key in not only keeping black people oppressed but low key in oppressing white people because as long as white people hate black people. Or hate all the other races, and even like they used to foster racism between white people. But they used to all the Anglo's used to hate Italians and Irish just to keep people divided. Because like if everyone if everyone came together and treated each other as equals, we would be able to hold politicians accountable. But as long as like divide and conquer has always yeah, been a colonial strategy. Want, obviously, they don't want that, and it's like that's where you get cynical, and and it's like it's very depressing to to like to to be someone who like takes it upon themselves to to like learn self-education and learn these things you start to realize like how concerted of an effort it's been to like push a certain narrative and again it comes back to control so it's like a balance man like you definitely have to try to educate yourself and educate others but also like not get not not get get caught up you gotta like again you just gotta enjoy life you know like fucking make music you know, chill out and, and, and try to just, to me, it's just like try to have your life, your whatever 80, 100 years that you left, that you spent on this earth, like use it, use it to like have a net, like positive yeah. impact in the world. I, I feel that because I think also when you read history, I think it's easier to like see the parallels because like when you, when you learn about the past, like we can see that, oh, like people have been dividing dividing and conquering people as long as there's been colonialism. Like, we can look at whether it's the Middle East, whether we're looking at Africa, whether we're looking like, they're going to take one group of people and pit them against another, and they're going to fight each other and weaken each other, and then they're going to take over. And I think we as, like, you know, modern people, like, we are like, no, what this group is wrong. And it's like, yeah, they might be, but like you have, like I feel like to see the bigger picture and see the strategy of keeping us divided, like and keep and keeping throwing fueling on the fire, like all these alt right politicians would never be able to come to power mm-hmm. if there wasn't yeah. so much hate for. And obviously, like I think it's interesting to think about, like you know, racist people are low key mentally like being trapped yeah because they don't have like if you're some poor racist like if you're like some rich racist dude you're definitely like trying to keep this going because it's lit for you but if you're like some poor redneck hick and you're like the only thing you have is i'm better than black people like you're low-key holding yourself back this is like a very unpopular opinion but something i've said is like people who are racist are also victims of racism, like of the system of racism. Because if you're born into if you're born into a racist fucking whatever, like white redneck family, you're tr- like you don't know the truth. You don't know that black people and whatever Asian people are just like you. And there's so much rich history, and you have so much in common, and, and you can do all these things. Like we're all be like we're all victims of this. E- if you're quote unquote the group that has privilege, yeah, things are gonna be easier for you, and you're not a, as direct directly affected by racism but you're still kind of a victim of this general narrative that of racism right like does that make sense to you no i mean i feel you because it's like if we were all able to somehow come together like I, that sounds like hell there's so much more details yeah, and history and you know reparations and so much fucked up shit that happens like to say oh we're all gonna come together like is a very 
utopian kind of yeah. like part like fairy so like worldview so many things that haven't have to happen before that but at the same time it's like if we all could somehow whatever over the course of the next few hundred years few thousand years work out our issues to where we could actually hold like we wouldn't all be in this death grip of society if we could all work together as people like politicians couldn't just screw us over if we weren't too busy beefing with one another or just sliding it's like think about like labor unions changed like labor policy like before in america like little kids used to work 16 hours a day but because people these people came together and put their power together as one they were able to chain get a get an eight hour work day, which I mean still ass, but better than sixteen, you know, minimum wages, child labor laws, because these people are able to come together. And I think like it's I hate to say this, but I'm like, man, as black people, we only fifteen percent of America's population. Like Asians are even less. Hispan the Hispanic population is rising, but like at the end of the day, like mostly white European countries have all the power, like, they have all the money, they have yeah. the military resources. It's like, no group is gonna be... There's actually, like, this one quote where it's like, if the if the black woman is free, like, all people will be right. free because, like, they're the most oppressed people. Yeah. So if they are not oppressed, nobody will be oppressed just because of how it works. But it's like, man, if we all came together and, like, stopped, you know, hating each other because one person is gay or one person is this color or one person is this religion... And we could like see ourselves all as people. Like we could, we have like the collective power to change the world to benefit us all. And I think it would also be better for our mental health because I feel like people oh, yeah. are so mad at each other. Like, yeah, just like seeing the truth. Yeah, like our mental health is like killing us. Like I understand being angry. Like man, like being a brown person in America, like it's hard not to just be pissed. Like, even to talk about this shit. Be like, yeah. Damn, like, this is hella... Like, we shouldn't have to be talking about this. We it, should be talking about something else. Yeah, it's hella messed up, but it's like, man, if I don't think we could do it by ourselves, and I think that's like the human condition. Like, I think that's kind of like maybe even the theme of what we've been talking about. We've talking about people who don't want to go out and network mm-hmm. and don't or look down on certain organizations or people who, you know, like I think it's like seeing everybody and like the collective power as a unit to do things that we don't have as individuals. Like, every artist needs a team. Like, every king needs a court. Like, everyone needs to come together and in some sort of form because no one has all the answers. No one has all the resources. I don't know how that works because the world is way more infinitely complex than a podcast conversation. (laughs) But, man. Um, Yeah, that's that's so true. I think, like, again, I think it's just... um, educating yourself trying to become more conscious every day trying to become more mindful um i don't know like honestly i'm a big proponent of like psychedelic drugs (laughs) i think i think that might be a step in the right direction i think we're we're getting there there's it's being destigmatized but again like everyone just like took took some shrooms once in a while like took some acid it's like such a recalibration that's a whole nother podcast um, I, I saw you're doing uh, some yeah, psychedelic I episodes. In, I interviewed someone yesterday. Um, yeah, really just trying to branch out. Like again, Worldwide Wave started That's as like, mainly like a music platform, but again, like as we've talked about, I'm interested in all these different things, like anthropology, UFOs, psychedelics, and like to me, all those three fields kind of overlap. So uh, I'm starting to connect with other people. Um, 
and, and, and like start talking about these other things. That's why like it was so great to have you. Like obviously I'm always going to still be like talking to artists, but it was great that we were able to have a conversation about music and then get into something that's so much more transcendent. Um, but then, yeah, at the end of the day, man, like music and art is, I think, the key also, like one of the biggest keys, um, just self-expression. Like, again, like definitely music has has been one of the one of the things that like brings people together no matter like who you are just like the sound hearing the sounds and the vibrations and like and like all of that stuff um but yeah no definitely um definitely stay tuned guys for more more interesting conversations like this one with artists with people prominent in, in psychedelic research and policy reform um trying to get some some ufo people on here too that's in the works um, but yeah, it's been a great time talking to you, Ronnie. Um, before we leave, I guess, what, what else do you have to say? Like what's, what's going on on the music front? What can we expect from you, um, and the NPI crew, um, coming up and what else do you have to say to the people? All right. So I think for closing comments, I would say check out the new P-Lux project. Oh dropped yeah, we didn't, Friday. Drop we didn't talk about that. Super hard, um, six songs, a lot of dope videos. Um, he's on the come up. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, he's, he's really next up. I would say watch out for Dijon Cross as well. I would say shout out my producer, shout out Natty Classic. Um, Hell yeah. I got a new song dropping this month called Independent, and I'm going to keep oh, dropping sounds, every month. So keep good. keep watching every month. And I think, like again, in closing thoughts, yeah, I'd say music and art is like one of the greatest ways of education and culture. Like we were talking about how people don't have connections to their roots or aren't able to, like, I think the one way that people are always able to relate to their culture, their roots, their history, like music, like oral histories are told through music, culture is conveyed through music, celebrations, like we can all connect to something through art, through music, and we can, despite what like, like established powers may want like culture is more powerful than censorship yeah. like people the mu music is going to make people dance whether you're allowed to or not like it's just natural so i think preserving your culture conveying your ideas in a way that people naturally relate to i think is very powerful because you can always speak at people you can yell at them you can make instagram infographics but it's so many people making noise that you're yelling into the void i think yeah. i think making a noise that people want to hear anyway and then putting your ideas into it is a much more effective vessel hell yeah just just talk to people and make art um and, and yeah spread love spread consciousness um sick but yeah i think that's all we got for you guys today Thanks for coming out, Ronnie. Um, I'll definitely, I'll definitely see you soon, and we'll, we'll keep having these conversations. Um, and yeah, stay tuned for the next episode. We might have another guest, or it might just be me talking about my normal crazy shit. But um, yeah, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Later. What up? I'm back. It's the future now. Shout out again to Ronnie Quest. Um, that was a great conversation. I'm gonna send you guys out with a new. Brand new, unreleased Ronnie Quest track called Independent. Peace out.
Say she independent, don't need nobody Busy trying to be somebody Tia say you don't need nobody 1 a.m. and I grip your body Independent, don't need nobody Busy trying to be somebody Tia say you don't need nobody 1 a.m. and I grip your body Girl, I know you ain't to make exceptions You tell me that every time we text in, yeah Make exceptions But late night girl You know I'm gonna send that message Say she independent Don't need nobody Busy trying to be somebody Dear say you don't need nobody 1am and I grip your body Independent don't need nobody Busy trying to be somebody Dear say you don't need nobody 1am and I grip your body Girl I know you hate to make exceptions You tell me that Every time we But late night, girl, you know I'm not sending that message independent, yeah Got a apartment over on 3rd Street And she ain't got time for niggas Cause she too busy working She independent, yeah Got a apartment over on 3rd Street And she say niggas ain't shit Cause they be acting too thirsty Cause a lot of niggas gon' try to spit Think it's hit or miss, it's ain't no A lot of men in her DMs Tryna be a friend Say no, like excuse me, miss. Can we chat a bit for a little minute? She say no, but every time that I call the phone, she say, Baby boy, let's go. Girl, you say you only love me sometimes. Say you're independent and you're so right. But everybody gets lonely sometimes. That's why some days we watch the sunrise. Say she independent, don't need nobody. Busy trying to be somebody Tia say you don't need nobody 1am and I grip your body Independent don't need nobody Busy trying to be somebody Tia say you don't need nobody 1am and I grip your body Girl I know you hate to make exceptions You tell me that every time we text in yeah, yeah. Girl I know you hate to make exceptions But late night girl you know I'm not sending